0: Good morning. Okay. Today's scriptures in Mark. It's chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Sorry if you didn't hear that. I think it said it was Mark, chapter 12. Okay. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him.
1: Thank you, Tim. It's good to see everybody today. What a great time to be able to worship God. We've even got a couple of snowbirds back, so that's a great thing to be able to see more people coming in. Um, Lots of good things going on. we have the Harvest Festival coming up end of the month on the 26th, and so there are sign-up sheets out in the foyer, and we need some people to be able to help with this. It's going to take a lot because we do this for the whole neighborhood, and so there's 500 people coming in here, and it takes a lot of a lot of people to do that. So if you just go ahead and sign up, we'll be able to get everything planned, and uh, that's going to be a great time. Um we have some other good things going on here today. Andrea is here. We uh, ran the notice in the bulletin about her baptism. Andrea, you want to stand up or wave your hand or <laughs> she's had I don't want to embarrass her too much, but I didn't tell her this was coming. Uh, but she's had surgery recently, so don't hug too hard when you go and talk to her. Uh, we've been talking a lot about, uh, progression in Christianity and how we're judged by fruit, but fruit isn't automatic. Fruit is something that comes and it's developed through a lifetime. And he says make the tree good in order to have good fruit. Well, how do you make a tree good? Well, there's, it's a slow process. And so Christianity is like that. Some things happen very, very quickly, but other things are a very slow process and they take a while to be able to develop. And so today we want to talk a little bit about traps and what happens. And, of course, the passage that uh, Tim just read to us is one of those where they are trying to trap Jesus on purpose. He's just told them the parable about the tenants and they think it's against them. And they're right, it is. And so they decide, well, we're going to trap him. We've got a question that nobody's able to answer. And so they come to him. And of course, you know how it is. You can always tell when your kids want something, right? Oh, you're my favorite, Dad. <laughs> I love you. Okay, what do you want? And so they come to Jesus. And, and you can tell by the sweet language that they're using him. We know you're true. You don't care about anybody's opinion, so you're not biased. You're not swayed by appearance. You teach the truth of God. And they're going on and on about all of this. And it looks like, wow, these guys really like me. Don't be fooled. Because that's not what happens. The question is, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Well, anytime you bring up taxes, that's that's always going to be a difficult thing, right? And they're trying to catch him in this and they understand how it works because they are very much politically aware and they are very much afraid of what the crowd's going to think. But if they can just discredit Jesus so that they don't believe him anymore, that they don't think he's the Messiah, that they can do away with that notion, then then Jesus just goes away. And so they think that they can get this to happen if they just don't believe Jesus anymore because after all, Jesus is all about taxes. Who's going to vote for that? I mean, mean, who wants a Messiah like that, right? We don't want that. And so they ask the question about, well, do we pay taxes to Caesar, which is from Rome, which is a country that has come and conquered them so that they are now captive. And so nobody wants that to happen. And so Jesus is kind of stuck. He can't really say yes, you pay taxes to Caesar and then he's going to lose respect of the people. He also can't say no, don't pay taxes because then the soldiers are going to be there to arrest him and uh he's it would seem to me he's stuck, but Jesus I I just love his answers and the way he does this. He says bring me a coin. When they bring the coin, it looks something like this. Whose inscription is on it? Well, it's Caesar. And I just love the answer. Give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But give God what belongs to God. I can never think of those answers. But wow, how powerful that. In fact, they're even impressed. Impressed. The people who are trying to trap him are impressed. Wow, how did he get out of this one? Well, Jesus isn't against paying taxes. He's not going to go against government. He says government is set up there for God. He's not trying to replace government. And he's not about to get trapped by political views. And so he's not trying to get into this at all. And so money has the mark of government on it. Give it to government. I mean, it, that's where it belongs. But we have the image of God. And if we have the image of God, then give yourself to God. And I think that's really the more powerful teaching here. It's not necessarily a physical likeness, but it's a likeness the way God is, the character. We were made in His image. And so give God what belongs to Him. So how does Jesus not get trapped? Well, He... Kind of undoes the whole thing, doesn't he? He refuses to play. I'm I'm not going to answer either way on this. It's, you know, do whichever one. Give the, the money to Caesar and give yourself to God. Traps are important for us to understand because we have them all the time. They all work the same way. I don't know if you've seen one like this. Hopefully not at night when you're barefoot. Then it does not work out so well. But they all work the same way. There's an entrance, there's an exit, there's bait, and, well, there is no exit. That's the whole point of a trap. You cannot get out. Um, and, And besides that, we walk right into it. It's just sitting there. It's not chasing us. It didn't come after us. It's just sitting there, and we walked right into it. And that's what's so amazing about all of this. We thought we were fast enough to get out. We thought we were quick enough. We wouldn't get caught. The bait looks really good. Especially if you like cheese. And You know, there's always a risk. And sometimes the trap is just too fast. That's for a mouse. This is more for something that's a little bit bigger. And you're just walking along. You don't see it. You didn't even notice it was there. Maybe there was some brush over it. And when you step on that round part in the middle, all of a sudden the teeth spring up and you're caught. And so that's one of the things that happens to us. Or maybe our trap looks a little bit more like this. Uh, it's there. You're thinking, maybe I'm fast enough. I know everybody else got caught, but uh, or maybe it's other people who have been caught already and they are just trying to get you into it as well. Let me give you some of the traps that I think we find. Uh, not necessarily right or wrong, but they're just traps that we get ourselves into. This is one of the biggest ones. I don't know if you've been caught by this one yet or not. But when you've got a credit card, just pay the minimum, right? And what happens? It takes 12.9 years to pay off that first hundred bucks. And you've paid three times the amount. Is it wrong? Well, no, it's not wrong, but wow. I know sometimes we have to use them, but... Be careful, that can be a real trap and you cannot get out of it because it takes forever to do that. Another one is addictions that we get into. We're chemically bound to something and we cannot get out. Uh, Not without some help, we have to go through it. You know how you get rid of this trap, the credit card? Pay it off. There isn't another way. Nobody's coming along to say, oh, well, I know you didn't really mean it. I know that you have a good heart, and so we'll just forget it. That isn't going to exist. You have to pay it off. And it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it's get, you know what? You still have to pay it. There is no other way around it. And that's way, the thing I want you to realize with traps. We keep looking for something that's a way out, and there isn't one. There is no other way out, but I've got a better solution for you by the time we get to the end of the sermon. By the the way, this is a short sermon, the same way Steve's songs were short songs, okay? so (laughs) just wanted to let you know that. All right, so addictions, credit cards, depression is another one that we get into. I'm not who I want to be. It's one of those things that nobody can fix it. We need to talk to somebody. We need to get through it. We need to do the work. But ultimately, it's going to be us that decides. And we've got to deal with the feelings. We've got to be able to see some, some things differently and just be able to work with some of that. Relationships can be a trap. Because sometimes love is toxic. No, not always. Certainly God is love and God wants you to have good loving relationships. But don't be in love with somebody who's toxic to you. We don't want to get their feelings hurt. And so we don't want to do anything bad. And so it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse. Until we've completely lost ourselves, and we don't even recognize who we are. You probably can't read this. It says, sometimes to escape a bad relationship and reclaim our lives, we have to break a piece of our heart off like a wolf chews off a leg and escapes a steel trap. It's hard to get out sometimes. You went in intending to fall in love and, boy, it turned toxic on you. Realize where the trap is and then sometimes sins are a trap. Always sins are a trap. They're always there to bind us. And whatever happens, they are there and we cannot get out. It slowly erodes our confidence. It takes us captive. And we're afraid to let anybody know. I mean, yeah, we did things that are wrong. We did things we shouldn't have done or we said things. Or... And we don't want anyone to think bad of us, so we'll just kind of bury it, right? And pretty soon it looks like this. We can't even move. That is not freedom. That is not what Jesus came to do is to say, well, I know we've all got issues and we've all got problems, so let's just all bury them deep inside so that no one knows and we'll all meet together and pretend we're all pretty, right? We'll all come in and we'll sing great songs and we'll be happy and then we'll go back to how life really is. No. Jesus comes to deal with sin once and for all. He comes to say, you know what, it's really hard to get out of sin because the price that's demanded is death. But in order to make this trap just a little bit easier, I'll take the death for you. And I'll be the one that dies, and I'll be the one that suffers, and I'll be the one that bleeds. And so when I take that, it doesn't mean you're out. It means you accept it. It means you go through it with me. It means you're there as part of it. It means you need to forgive yourself. It means we need to know the grace that God gives. And we need to understand what that's all about. So I want to use an example. And this doesn't apply to anybody in the congregation. But Nancy was watching a TV show. I'll blame her. In the TV show, I never would have turned on, but it was my 600-pound life. I don't know if you've seen it or not. And I was sitting there going, huh, this is really strange. Because all of those people are there because they caught themselves. I think they're trapped. They got into it. They can't get out of it. So the first guy is named Alex. Here is a picture of Alex. Alex weighed 777 pounds. The doctor said, you need to lose weight before I will do any surgery. Two weeks later, he weighed 792 pounds. That's the diet. We're fooling ourselves. You know how you get there? One bite at a time. You know how you get out of there? It's going to take just as much time to get out as it took to get in. And that's the part we don't like. We want a quick fix. We want a way to get out of this. Is there a way out? Yes, there absolutely is a way out. But that's the thing with all of these. Some things that every single person on that show had in common. They all felt trapped. They never went anywhere. They didn't go outside of their house. It was very difficult for them to move or do anything. By the way, this kid is 32 years old. That's it. He's got to be one of the strongest people alive because he's walking. Can you imagine having to pick up almost 800 pounds to be able to get to your car? I mean, enough to say I, I don't weigh that much, but there's no way I could pick that up. So it's not a question of strength. This has to be one of the strongest people in the world to be able to pick that much up and move it. That's incredible. But they all felt trapped. Trapped. They all put themselves in the trap. It's all just eating. They all had power to get out. They all had an enabler. Somebody who was there helping, right? And somebody who was helping them stay trapped. And they all needed help to get out of their trap. And they had the disclaimer, only 5% make it out. Okay? Here's some of the good news. Don't know the names this time. That's incredible, isn't it? To be able to lose that much. To be able to be that trapped where you can't walk. And then to be able to get out. That's incredible. People can do this. It's really, and I am not going on diets. That's not the point of any of this, okay? It's that sometimes we find ourselves trapped and we didn't know how we got there. It happens so slowly and so gradually and there's got to be a way out. And sin does exactly the same thing. All of a sudden, we look around and we don't know what happened. How did I get here? I don't like my life. I don't want it to be this way. I want to have freedom. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have that kind of freedom. I want you to be able to do that. But you have to do exactly the same thing they did. Okay? You have to do exactly the same thing they did in order to get out. So let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 12. So the witnesses are from chapter 11, that great chapter of faith. He says there's all kinds of people around who have this great faith and not all of them are in Hebrews 11. Some of them showed up for church today because there are people here who are of great faith and you just need to be able to talk to them and see them. There is, he says, we got to get rid of things that, that hinder us. Put away every weight that's weighing you down and the sin that's so easily entangles us. The sin that ensnares us. The sin that clings so closely to us. It will not let you get away. And so there's got to be a way to do away with that. It's not going to be easy. We didn't get there easy. It was just kind of snuck up on us you can blame everybody you want to blame but the only way out is our way out and he says i want you to look at jesus he's the author and perfecter of faith and so how did jesus do it and the point is jesus went through it nobody took it away nobody says that's all right we know you're trying Nobody said, all right, we're just going to, you know, forget this part. He took every single part, every single sin, and he said, I will pay the price for it. All the way through torture on a cross. It's the way through. It's not an escape. And so as you look at Hebrews 12, as he continues, he says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. And so he says, consider Jesus. That's the main point. Focus on Jesus. That's first. If you don't have Him as your guide and Him as the one who's the example for you, then you're probably going to get lost somewhere along the way. So consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the one who did this. He's Not for His own sin, but for yours. But He went through it. He didn't go around it. He didn't get past it. We see Jesus. And we're not the only one. So don't get weary and give up. He died for our freedom. It's a struggle against sin. And then he says one of the most insensitive things. "That's I just can't believe this. You haven't shed any blood yet. I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> um, I think maybe, and this is one of those toe-stomping sermons, I guess. We've been way too lenient on ourselves. Because what he's trying to say here is, I don't know if you ever remember when you were a kid and you were at home and mama's always, you know, you'd fall down and your knee hurt. There, you know, nothing wrong, but, you know, you'd run to Mama. mom fell down. Oh, you poor baby. But then you want to go with dad somewhere. And you go out and you're working or hiking or you're doing something with dad and you fall down. Sure enough, there's a little bit of skin came off and you go, dad, I fell. I hurt myself. He says, get up and let's go. You're not bleeding. But mom didn't do that. Mom was nice to me. Mom always cuddled me and mom was always there for me. And yeah, you're not with mom. (laughs) I think we need some dad. Because that's what the writer of Hebrews says. If you want somebody just to sympathize with you and say, oh, I'm so sorry, you've got this. It's terrible. And it is terrible and horrible, by the way. It is terrible to try to get out of this. But you're not going to help somebody by saying, I'm so sorry. The writer of Hebrews says, You're not bleeding yet. And there is a person who has bled for it. Take the example. And it's now your turn to shed your blood for your sin. You wanted to be here, you want to get out. It's your turn. And Jesus has done all of this. But you haven't shed any. This is a really high standard of suffering, isn't it? You have not shed any blood yet. The discipline of the Lord is to make us better. And so freedom is found in discipline, not escape. One of the hardest things. God disciplines the ones He loved. Do you ever wish God didn't love you so much? (laughs) Sometimes it's really hard. We're used to the idea that someone goes and dies for our freedom. We see that all the time. There are wars and we send soldiers and they go and they would die for our freedom so that we could be free. You are in a fight for your own freedom right now. It's a fight against sin. It's a fight against habits or addictions or whatever it is going on in your life that would destroy you and would take you away from God. Can't we just get somebody else to do it? The answer is He already has. And now He calls us to die for our own sin. And the reason is so that we can have a place with God. And it is the answer. It is what gets you out. Hebrews twelve seven. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And if you are left without discipline in which we have participated, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. And for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. God's treating us as children. As His own children. As people who belong to Him. That's the only way I would want to be, isn't it? I don't want to be a stranger to God and him say, okay, well, I guess I'll give you something. I want to be his child, the one that he cares about, the one that he loves. But sometimes he's going to say, come on. I understand how hard it is and I know what you're having to go through because I watched Jesus go through it. And as you see all of that, it's only then that we find freedom to be children of God. And that's what he's trying. I'm not talking about spanking as far as discipline. Discipline is the doing what you need to do every day. And sometimes that's the hard thing. He says, every father does that. He disciplines his child. And if you don't, you're not a good father. Now, moms can get away with it. Moms don't have to be that way. Dads, you've got to step up. Your kids need this kind of discipline. And they need to know that they can win at this. They need to know that they can overcome this. They need to know that sometimes it's going to be the most difficult thing that they've ever done. And you're going to be right there with them every single step of the way. But they need to do it. There are no other excuses. Is it any wonder we have a weak church when it seems like we don't stand up for anything anymore and we don't have any discipline within ourselves and we think grace is all about saying, well, it's okay. That's not what grace is about. Grace is one of the most empowering things that there ever is. Grace is what makes apostles like Paul. It makes incredibly strong people. That's grace. When God disciplines us, we need to get tough. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one sees the Lord. That's why we're here. Discipline's painful, and it's what's standing between us and God. And every single one of us has a chance to get there. And he says, therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make paths straight, strive for peace, strive for holiness. But at the same time, we understand you can't do this on your own. You probably didn't get there on your own. You got to get rid of the enablers, but we're not trying to be enablers. We're trying to be people who will help. And if you can't do it on your own, then you're here with the rest of us. And that's why God made church. Is because we all need help getting there. And that's why we're here, is to be able to help each other. You aren't strong enough to get out on your own. Escape isn't the answer. And we're not here to give you escape. We're not here to give you excuses. But discipline is the answer. But you don't have to do discipline alone. You don't have to solve this alone. God made church and we're here to help and we can't fix it all but jesus can and so we're here to pray and we're here to help you go through this it's all a progression isn't it nobody gets there and nobody gets out in one day it's what we do and it's how we work and god calls us to be his holy people To go from lost to being saved. To go from sinful to being holy. To go from being bad to being good. And that is not an easy process. And so all of us are called to be part of that. From being unwanted to being His children. Man, what a great thing it is when we get there. And I know every single one of us is going to be able to get there. Boy, if you're afraid to share that, don't, don't think everybody else doesn't have the same thing. That's not why we're here is to all pretend that we're good. We're here because we know we're not. And we're here because Jesus saves.